My name is Jason Crawford. Whoa! Who are you? I'm you, dude. How are we all doing this morning? Uh, I'd just like to say thank you for coming. Welcome uh, to the 11 a.m. service. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank my family for coming out. Uh, you guys have always been there for me, supported me through everything that I've done, everything that I continue to do. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, to my friends that are here, uh, you guys have been just an amazing uh, motivator to me. A lot of you have been able to light the fire. A lot of times having some critical conversations, you know, just getting me going and keeping me motivated. Um, finally, to Pastor Aaron and the rest of the Life Church staff, you guys have been more than just pastors to me. You've been uh, co-workers, friends, uh, and most importantly, an example, a great example of just living the life in ministry and living out that vocational ministry. So thank you guys for that. Um, now, I got an email uh, October-ish sometime while I was down in Texas uh, asking if I wanted to come and preach uh, today. And, you know, I, I read it. I'm just like, for sure. You know, I'm, I was excited. I was running around telling everybody. I told all my pastors down in Texas, I'm, I'm preaching Sunday morning. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, after the excitement died down and after I was able to calm myself down, you know, just relax, I thought, man, I got to think of something to preach about what am I going to do? And so I thought, man, maybe there are some stories that I can tell uh, of my friends and, and really embarrass them because I have a microphone and they don't. Um, but I decided to spare Cassie and spare Brad, who, you know, work closely with the church. Uh, you guys ask me after service. I'll be more than happy to share those stories with you. Um, and so, you know, I figured I should pray about it. That that's like, it seems like the normal thing to do. So I went into prayer I prayed about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and it, it kind of hit me. You know, I think God just really laid it on my heart that it's the day after Christmas. You know, right around this time of year, everybody's always, Merry Christmas, oh, I love you, you know, tis the season, season's greetings, all that other fun stuff. But how many of them deep down inside are really hurting, are truly, are wearing a mask of smiles and joy when deep down inside they're feeling lost and alone and just a mess. And today, to those people that are feeling that way, and, and at some point we're all going to feel that way because we're all going to go through some tough times, you know. It's, nobody lives uh, even a perfect life and that everything's all tiddlywinks and asterisks and stars and stuff. But... Nobody's going to, so to you and everybody here, I have something to say to you guys, and that's cry me a river, build a bridge, and get over it. Now, before you guys get up and like walk out out of frustration, uh, hear me out, just wait till the end of service, and if you still want to throw down in the parking lot, I'll be more than happy. Uh, fair warning, I do play for keeps, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of, you know, my thing. Um, so first off, 
you know, I look at, you know, Crimea River. And what, I, what, that, what I'm saying is uh, it's okay to be sad. It, it's okay to cry. I think back um, when I was 13, I lost my father. My father passed away. Party. Stuck in my pocket. Okay, that works. So I was 13 and I lost my father to heart disease. And it was crazy. And, you know, I remember sitting there that night that my mom told me uh, what had happened. You know, she called my brother in and we're sitting on the couch and he was sitting there. And I was like, man, what did he do? I'm thinking I'm in trouble. He got called in. He's in trouble. We're, you know, this isn't good. Um, And my mom told us that our father had passed away. And my brother just started bawling, you know, just crying, just full, just tears, the, the works. And my mom was crying. My mom was just bawling. My stepdad was crying. My mom's, one of my mom's best friends, Terry, was there. She was crying. I'm sitting there like, what are we going to do about Ralph and Moose's cats? What about his books? You know, what his records, his cameras? What are we going to do? What do we got to do? I, I'm 13. I don't know what to do. Let's, let's, let's get to work. Let's do this. And that's just how our mind works. You know, I, I jumped into shock. I jumped into this, this mode of we got we to do stuff. You know, and I've cried about it since. I cried about it like that night. You know, I've spent my time mourning. And um, even recently, I still mourn it. You know, I still think about it. I still miss him. I still cry. Um, and I think about just recently, like last year. So that's not just recently. But like last year. Uh, every Tuesday morning at uh, our school and uh, our church, we have like a prayer time where, you know, people come in and pray and people lead it. And that day we were doing a really kind of a corny and cheesy thing where we were writing thank you cards to Jesus and thank you cards to God, you know. And they had a microphone set up where people, if you wanted to, you could come and read your card. And a friend of mine got up and decided he was going to read his card. And the thing about my friend is he was adopted by a single mom. He's never known his father uh, never had any kind of father figure in his life, and it was just, and that, that's just how he was raised. And so he got up and he read his card. He's like, "Thank God for being his father figure, and that he doesn't need a dad when he has him. He has Abba Father in his life." And it, it was really emotional. Well, I'm sitting there in my seat, just getting angry in my heart, and I'm like, "How can you say these things? You don't know what it's like to have a dad and then not have one." And you know, I started bawling because that got me thinking about everything. And, you know, and I was just angry. And um, I don't like being angry. I don't like being angry with people. I try to settle issues right away. And so um, I told him, I was like, hey, Russ, when we get back to the church, I got to talk to you. Come meet me in my room. So I go to my room the whole way to church, and I'm, and I'm sitting in my room waiting for Russ. I'm like, man, this, this is really bugging me. And I'm, like, upset. I'm, like, ready just to tear into him and just rip him a new one. And he comes in and I start talking to him and but through that that talk even that we talked maybe like 15 minutes through that talk I was able to my heart started changing from aggression and rage to appreciation and by the end of the discussion he didn't even get to say anything by the time I was done talking I was thanking him for reminding me of my dad for reminding me of of the things that you know that I loved about him you know he, he had changed my heart and it was just and we, we hugged it out we're, and I'm crying and all this. And I tell you that, and I think a lot of that, you know, we're afraid to cry comes from today's society. And that weakness is shown as like, or 
crying and uh, sadness is shown as a weakness in our society, very much so that it's it's frowned upon. Like people, like you see a guy crying, you're like, look at that weirdo who's crying over there, you know. Oh, you know, you broke both your ankles simultaneously? Why don't you just get up and just walk it off, buddy? Go, go cry about it somewhere else. And, you know, and that's completely false. I, I, th- I think looking at weakness, it's a strength. If you're a strong enough person to be able to show that weakness, to be able to show your emotions like that, such a strong emotion, that's a strength that you have. That's, that's something that you have deep down inside you that's like a gift to be able to be that strong of a person to show that kind of emotion. And I look at, you know, I look at the Bible and, you know, who, who are we supposed to follow? You know, we're supposed to model our lives after Jesus. You know, what would Jesus do, bracelets, and things like that. And I look, okay, what, what, did, what would he do in that kind of situation? If you open up your Bibles to John 11, verse 35. That's where we're going to start off. We're going to be kind of hanging around that area. I look at, it's, it's the story of Lazarus. And kind of, to give you kind of a recap, Lazarus was sick. And Martha and Mary, not, not Mary, Mary, but Mary, was you know, they were, they were, you know, they were related to Lazarus, and he was sick, and they came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Your dear friend Lazarus is sick. Let's, you know, do something about it. Heal him, you know, you know, make it happen. You can do these, these things, and Jesus told him, he's like, ladies, 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 his illness will not end in his death, but it will be for the glory of God. And then he went off to do his thing, you know, whatever he was working on at the time. And word had gotten to Jesus that Lazarus had died. And so he goes to visit and goes, and goes back to Mary and Martha. And it says on verse 11, chapter, verse, chapter 11, verse 35, um, easiest Bible verse to remember, Jesus wept. He wept. He didn't cry a single tear. He didn't just, you know, oh, Okay. No, he wept. He just straight out was bawling. Just the floodworks, everything, opened up the gates. He wept. And what's crazy to think about, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, okay, he wept, but he's Jesus. He knows what's going to happen for him. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. He knew what was going to happen from that moment on, yet he still wept. He still showed that emotion, that strong emotion for his friend and was able to continue. And, but he, he, he wept. I feel like that's what a lot of us were afraid to do. We're afraid to open up and show that emotion and just and just weep. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Those who mourn will be comforted. That's the Bible telling you right there. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn the loss of your friends, to mourn the loss, you know, if if you've lost a job in the past recent with whatever what the economy's been, whatever, or you don't have a job, it's okay to be sad about that. It's even okay to be sad if your fantasy football team lost in the playoffs because Brett Favre can't make up his mind of what he wants to do, and then you decide to play him, and he gets hurt, and then you lose the game because of it. I'm not bitter. I'm just, I'm just saying, make up your mind. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to mourn the loss and, and be sad. But the next thing you have to do is you have to build a bridge, and that I'm not, my major at Segu is church ministries. It's not building bridges. It's not architecture. There's just too much math. 
and the only math a pastor needs is one, two, three, four. It's counting people. But there, I do know a few things about building bridges. I know that it's going to take a lot of work, and you can't do it alone. Say, so JC, but you just said you know nothing about building bridges. Well, here's the deal. I grew up right over there in Lake Park East. Uh, before all these apartments in here, that was all woods, straight woods and creeks and rivers and stuff. Me, well, me and my brother Nick and a bunch of our friends, we'd go back there and build forts, cause a ruckus, start fires. They were controlled burns. <laughs> we had it under control. No property damage. But there would come a time where we'd get to a creek that was too far for us to jump across. So we'd have to build a bridge. And for seven and eight-year-old boys, that's it's a lot of work to carry logs over a creek and line it up right and, and get across. It's a lot of work. Now, I don't know who said it. I have a quote, but I don't know who said it, so I'm just going to call dibs and take credit for it. It's fair. Um, but it's not the tragedies in our lives that break us. It's the messes. Say so again, it's not the tragedies in our lives that break us, but it's the messes. Now, what's that saying is we're going to come across tragedies in our lives all the time. We're going to come across things, uh, hardships, and we're going to come across creeks as we're trying to get to our fort. But it's the messes that, that build up in our lives that we need to take care of. We need to take care of right away. Because I don't know about you, but my mom always taught me uh, when you take something out, put it back. You know, that way your, your mess and your room doesn't build up. Did I always listen? Never. My room was a mess when I was rooming with my brother, when I was rooming by myself. Pigs die. I'd like to think my dorm room's a little bit better, but I'll let that, let that one go. But we need, just, just like in our rooms where if you, something gets messy, clean it up right away. It's easy. Done. We know where it's at. It's right there when we need it. Same thing with our lives. If something, if something happens and there's a mess, we need to do work in our lives and do work in our, in our spiritual life, our family life, our relationships to clean it up and put it away, reorganize it, do whatever you got to do, but to clean up that mess. It's, it's crazy to think, but, and that's, that's exactly what Jesus did. In John 11, uh, 39 through 42, as we continue reading, he said, um, there, were, there, there was a tomb, a big rock in front of the tomb, and he said, move the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell, was ter- smell will be terrible. Granted. And he said, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled this, the stone aside. And Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. They rolled the stone aside. And he, he communicated to them, the people around him. Look around you. Today, for those of you that are feeling alone and lost and that you're, you know, all by yourself in this, there's a bunch of people here with you today. Last week, we had 1,300 people. Christmas Eve, we had like 1,200 people. You know, we're not alone. There's life groups that meet every week. That people are going through the same uh, struggles you are in life. They're in the same place in your life that meet every week. Here, just people just like you. 
We have pastors, great pastors on the staff that their job is to minister to you. Their job is to, to assist you in these things. And if they can't, they'll, they'll help you find somebody that can. It's, you're not alone. You want to say, Jace, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the struggles that I have, the, the things that I've gone through. You don't know me. I don't. I'll be honest, I don't know you. I don't know a lot of you. But there's someone here who does. You know, the Lord. He knows you. He, he knows you better than you know you. In Matthew 28, verse 20, the Great Commission, you know, he says, go and make disciples of all men, of all nations. Uh, teach them my commandments and stuff. But the second half of that, Jesus tells them, just before he ascends back up to heaven, he says, I am with you always. I am with you always. I mean, that's something that, you know, just wrap your mind around it. He's always with us. There's 20 times in the Bible, I think it's like 20, 22 times in the Bible, where God or Jesus or somebody says, I am with you. I am here with you. I, I'm with you. You are not alone. I think back to as cheesy and corny as it might be, the footprints in the sand, little poem thingy. I don't know it for word, but I'm going to give it my best shot. This guy's walking down the beach with Jesus. He says, man, where have you been all my life? You know, what, where, what's up? And Jesus says, look back. You see those two footprints? Those two sets of footprints, that's us, buddy. That's us walking. We're strolling. You know, we're moving on with our lives. It's us walking. And the guys go, okay, okay. What about the times when there's just one set of footprints? Huh? What then? He's like, dude, really? Really, dude? That was me carrying you. I had your back, man. I'm carrying you through the tough times in your life. We are not alone. You can be sad. You can be sad and you can cry me a river, and that's great, and that's awesome. But you got to build a bridge to move forward. That's my third point. You got to get over it. There are, you can't let your past dictate your future. And yes, your past plays a huge role in who you become and who you become in God. With, with my dad passing uh, when I was 13, you know, in eighth grade, new school, new friends, didn't know what's going on. My dad passing shaped me who I am. You know, in high school, I joined a law support group. You know, I mean, I was like a junior in high school. Yeah, one of the key things to me joining was I got to miss class once a week, uh, and they had snacks. Um, but I also got to go and I got to share, see other students in my age group and that were going through similar things that had lost people in their lives. And I didn't get a whole lot from that group of like, oh, okay, that's why what happened. But I was able to give a lot. And through my experience of my dad passing, I was able to bless those and help those others. That's one of the things I realized, man, this happened so I can help people. You know, and then I started coming to youth groups and, you know, just realized, man, I can help people know about God because of this. This is crazy. And then I started talking, you know, to other people around, started going to school, started, started preaching here at Student Life. My first time I ever preached was the Wednesday night. And, you know, it was, it was a great a great message, but it was also a good time, um, good experience. It's like when you're driving. If you're always, if you're driving forward, but you're always looking back out of your back mirror or staring up in your rearview mirror, sure, you might make it down the easy part of the road, the easy part of your life. But as soon as there's a turn, a dip, you know, 
somebody runs out in front of you, if you're looking in the mirror or looking back, you're going to get in a wreck. In the same way that car is an analogy for, you know, your life. If you're not paying attention, if you're focusing on what's behind you and what happened, then while you're trying to go forward, you're going to hurt yourself. Or you could even hurt others. And that's not cool by any means. Now, there's a film, a classic film of all time, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, there, there's a scene where Poe is sitting underneath the, Poe the panda is sitting underneath the peach tree. And, you know, he's like, man, I'm never going to be a Kung Fu master. I'm just a big panda. And Master Uguay, the turtle, uh, many years of knowledge, comes up to him and he says, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I'm never going to be a Kung Fu master. You know, I'm just going to go back to making noodles. That was my past. That's, that's who I am. Master Uguay says something that I think this whole rings is so many bells in my head. Um, he says, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. That's good. <laughs> and what he's telling us, you can't focus so much about yesterday. Yesterday is, a, is gone. You can't let that, you know, you can't let that dictate your life. Tomorrow, tomorrow's not even guaranteed to us. We, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Do you guys? No. You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed to us. But today, we have today. And we need to carpe diem, you know, seize the day. You know, carpe noctum, season night. I don't care. See something. <laughs> Through my dad's loss, I was able to help give life to others. We all have that ability. And you might say, well, you know, I've never really raised somebody from the dead or given a dead man life. How many times can you say that you've given life to someone who's dead inside? Through your testimony, you were able to give life to someone who's dead inside. And that's what Jesus did. As we continue on in verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Just as Jesus gave life to Lazarus, we are able to give life to those around us. In Proverbs, I look at, it says, surround yourself with those that, you can, sharp, that can sharpen you that can uplift you. As iron sharpens iron, men sharpen men. Surround yourself with those people. And just as we're going through these lives, and we might think, okay, we're good, cross our bridge, you can look back and see people, your friends, your family members, you know, even people that you don't even know going through similar situations. You can go back and help them build their bridge because they can't do it alone. You can be that person. You can go from someone who's alone and lost and just mourning their life to someone, you know, to someone who's gone across and can help give life to other people, that can help give life to those that need it, people that are dead inside. The Bible says that we will be known by the blood of our lamb, blood of the lamb, and the word of our testimony. I look at the word testimony and I think, man, we can't have a testimony without a test. We can't have a testimony without a test. That's something I tell myself anytime I'm going through a hard time. Anytime that I'm just struggling, I know that God's going to bring me through it so that I can use my testimony to uplift him and uplift others and help give life to others. And as we look at, you know, mountains and valleys, you know, and some, we don't like being down in the valleys. We, we don't. I mean, who does? Nobody. But if you have all mountains 
and no valleys, that's, that's flat. That's like driving through Illinois. It's just nobody wants that. <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. But valleys, I mean, they make mountains. They make when you get up high and you get, reach that mountaintop, that's where it's at, you know. And valleys, I mean, they're, they're not good. But, you know, it's something that it's giving to your testimony. It's adding to your testimony. Now, today, I feel, you know, as I, as I close up in these last couple of minutes here, I just want to pray with you guys. Uh, you know, whoever's hurting out there, whoever's going to be hurting, you know, whoever's hurt in the past, uh, you guys just mind just bowing your heads and I'm just going to close up in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for your grace. For your-